Thanks for tuning in to Mountain View Fellowship's weekly podcast with lead pastor Don Headley. At MVF, our mandate is pointing people to Jesus by fostering relationships. We know Jesus cared for people and placed a lot of emphasis on relationships. So we do too. We believe that we're created for relationship with God and that he gave each one of us a desire to belong. If you'd like more information about MVF, connect with us at mvfcolorado.com. Now, stay tuned for this week's message. We are excited because we're in the second week of a series entitled Jesus. And I'm excited because this idea, we wanted to get very, very fundamental in this series. And so we said that we were going to spend some time just going back to the basics over the next few weeks. And so I hope that you will... Uh, be here every week for this. I hope that you were here last week when we talked about Jesus as Savior. Today, I want to talk to you about Jesus as Sanctifier. And and through this entire series, we're just answering the question, who is Jesus? Why did he come? What was his purpose? And what's our appropriate response to those things? And like I said, uh, last week we talked about Jesus as Savior. Today, let's talk about sanctification. A big, big word. It's going to make a lot more sense, hopefully, in the next, you know, 20 minutes or so. Uh, would you grab your Bibles, head over to John chapter 4. I want to take you to a passage that many times we'll hold up and use when we talk about evangelism, about reaching the world around us, but we don't use it much in the context of sanctification, and I, that's what I want to do this morning. I want us to read this with new eyes. Now, let me just stop. Uh, if you weren't here last week, we talked about Jesus as our Savior. And what we found out is original sin broke our relationship with God, and we, we had no way of repairing that. We couldn't do that in our own power and our own strength. And so G- Jesus was sent. God sent his only son who died on the cross. He paid for our sins. And then he offers that to us. And um, he wants to be our Savior. And it really comes down to a decision that you and I make on a very personal level as to whether we're going to receive that gift or reject it. That's what it comes down to. Jesus is already taken care of it. He is the Savior. It just depends on whether you receive him or not. Jesus also wants to be our sanctifier. And in this conversation, in John chapter 4, I think you're going to see something, hopefully, with new eyes today, as we take a look at the impact of, of Jesus coming and meeting with us, the impact that that has on our lives, not just once, but for the rest of our lives. Now, the way this story unfolds is Jesus is actually in Judea. He's headed to Galilee, and the Samaritans and the Jews absolutely hate each other. They've hated each other for centuries. They don't get along. And so if you're a Jew and you're leaving Judea and you're going down to Galilee, uh, the direct route takes you through Samaria. Jews wouldn't do that. They would actually peel off. They would take the long route and they would go all the way around Samaria just so they wouldn't have to go through. But see, Jesus doesn't do that. Jesus cuts right through the heart of Samaria and he ends up in the middle of Samaria at a place, uh, at a well. It's called Jacob's Well. And it's right outside of a village. And he's out there in the middle of the day, the hot part of the day. And in this story, a woman comes to draw water from the well. Now, knowing the culture, you could say that this woman was an outcast. And the reason for that is because the ladies in the village would come out in the morning, in the cool, because it was much cooler then, to draw water. And they would do it by numbers. They would all come out together because there's protection in numbers. But this woman doesn't do that. 
She comes out in the heat of the day, and she comes out by herself, and we know she's an outcast, and, and Jesus is about to tap into why she's an outcast. Take a look at this, and uh, Jesus is sitting there. She comes to draw water, and he asks her for a drink of water, and we pick the conversation up in verse 9. It says, the woman was surprised, for Jews refused to have anything to do with Samaritans. She said to Jesus, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. Why are you asking me for a drink? Jesus replied, if you only knew the gift God has for you and who you are speaking to, you would, ask me, you would ask me and I would give you living water. But sir, you don't have a rope or a bucket, she said, and this well is very deep. Where would you get this living water? And besides, do you think you're greater than our ancestor Jacob who gave us the well? How can you offer better water than he and his sons and his animals enjoyed? Jesus replied, anyone who drinks this water will soon become thirsty again, but who, those who drink the water I give will never be thirsty again. It becomes a fresh bubbling spring within them, giving them eternal life. Please, sir, the woman said, give me this water, then I'll never be thirsty again, and I won't have to come here to get water. Go on and get your husband, Jesus told her. I don't have a husband, the woman replied. Jesus said, you're right, you don't have a husband. For you have had five husbands, and you aren't even married to the man you're living with now. You certainly spoke the truth. Sir, the woman said, you must be a prophet. And he starts to dive into this, this really, really sore subject, uh, why she's an outcast in this community. And, and what's interesting is she does what many of us would do. She changes the subject in the very next line. She starts to ask questions about why Jews worship in Jerusalem and why they worship on a mountain. And, and Jesus tells her, look, there's a time coming. It's already here that um, the Lord's going to be looking for people who worship in spirit and in truth. And they continue their conversation in verse 25. Skip down to verse 25. It says, the woman said, I know the Messiah is coming, the one who is called Christ. When he comes, he will explain everything to us. Then Jesus told her, I am the Messiah. Just then his disciples came back. They were shocked to find him talking to a woman, but none of them had the nerve to ask, what do you want with her or why are you talking to her? The woman left her water jar beside the well and ran back to the village telling everyone, come and see a man who told me everything I ever did. Could he possibly be the Messiah? So the people came streaming from the village to see him. Now, uh, the reason I bring this story up is because I, I want to show you a few things. The fact that Jesus went out of his way to meet her at the well. The fact that Jesus showed her that he knew her intimately. He, he knew every detail of her life and still he didn't reject her, even though society was rejecting her. Even though they had never met, he knew every detail about her life. And as they talked, he gradually helped her get to know him as well. He wanted to reveal himself to her. And, and in fact, he says, I am the Messiah. This is the first time that he actually states that to anyone. And it's to this woman at the well. Uh, this is no ordinary conversation. Uh, it, it's no surprise that this impacts her life forever. Like it changes her life. And after she finished uh, speaking with Jesus, after she's done talking to him, did you see what she did? This outcast woman ran all the way back into the village and began to go door to door and tell all these people. And by the way, these are the people that rejected her, begin to tell them about Jesus. Come and meet this guy, this incredible man named Jesus who told me everything that I ever did. See, one meeting with Jesus changed her entire life. One meeting, this woman went from being distant from God to being close to God. One meeting with Jesus, she went from being on the edge of the community to becoming this pivotal point in turning the whole community to God. It's an amazing story. And she didn't stay the same after meeting Jesus. 
Like she, she continues on this path. She becomes a whole different person. It changed her whole life. And I believe that this is a picture of what God offers us, an opportunity for you and me, people who are messed up, who are, are just jacked up, to discover who Jesus is, to follow him, and in the process, have our lives completely transformed. Now, there's two things working today. Uh, I want to talk to you about justification, and then I want to talk to you about sanctification. And hang with me. I know these are big words, but it, we're going to put them in just layman's terms today. We're going to have fun with this, all right? And then I want to talk about the difference between the two. Because I, I think it's important for us as disciples of Jesus Christ to understand that there's a difference, that those two things are distinctly different. They're not one in the same. Because I believe one of the problems that we have in the American church today is that many of us understand justification and we stop right there. Like we've received Christ and we haven't even taken the next step to grow in Christ. It's kind of like you work your tail off to finally get into one of the branches of the military. Let's say the army, right? You go through all the testing and everything. You finally get accepted. They, they bring you in. They issue your BDUs and everything else. They ship you off to base camp. And you show up, and you go into the barracks, and you hide out in the barracks for the entire boot camp. That's kind of what it's like. Like we made it in, we were justified, but then we never took the step of growing to become more like Christ every day. And I think some of that is because we love the justification like, we love what we talked about last week. Jesus is our Savior. We're like, yeah, I love that. I love Ephesians chapter 2, verse 8. It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed. And you can't take credit for this. It is a gift from God. We love that. Uh, we talked about it last week. Jesus is our Savior. And he did all the work. We couldn't do it ourselves. And so Jesus went to the cross. He paid for our sins. And he just offers it. All we have to do is receive it. And we're like, yes, that is, that is great news. That's awesome. I love that. We are saved. We are justified before God. Um, now, according to this, and according to what we talked about last week, I want to make sure we're very clear about this. When we talk about justification or being saved, right? How are we saved? How are we saved? It says, God saved you by his grace when you believed, right? The way we see it so often is that we're saved or we're justified by grace through faith. Like, we can't save ourselves. It's only by the grace of God that it's even offered to us. But we do it by faith, by receiving this gift that Jesus offers us. That's justification. And in that moment, if you were here last week, you know we talked about we change our standing in God's eyes. When we receive that gift, we go from being outside of God's family to a part of God's family. Uh, being um, unforgiven to being forgiven. For being a mess, jacked up, far from God, to being one of his own and saved and redeemed and justified. That's what it means. So we are saved. We are now a believer in Jesus Christ. And then we go to the Bible and we open it. We begin to read. And then we read things like Romans chapter 12. It says, And so, dear brothers and sisters, I plead with you to give your bodies to God because of all he's done for you. Let them be a living and holy sacrifice, the kind he will find acceptable. This is truly the way to worship him. Don't copy the behaviors and customs of the world, but let God transform you into a new person by changing the way you think. Then you will learn to know God's will for you, which is good and pleasing and perfect. And we start going, okay, I'm saved, but there looks like there's something else I need to be doing. 
Uh, we read in 1 Thessalonians chapter 4, Finally, dear brothers and sisters, we urge you in the name of the Lord Jesus to live in a way that pleases God as we have taught you. You live this way already, and we encourage you to do so even more. For you remember what we taught you by the authority of the Lord Jesus. God's will is for you to be holy. Some of your translations say, for this is the will of God, your sanctification or your to be sanctified. So stay away from all sexual sin. Then each of you will control his body and live in holiness and honor. The preacher gets up and he says things like, you know what, if you're a Christian, the whole world should be able to see the difference in your life by the way that you speak and live and, and what you do. And, and you should be able to look a certain way and speak a certain way and live a certain way that people know that you belong to Jesus and they should see fruit in your life. A disciple of Jesus Christ should have spiritual fruit flowing out of his life. And we say all these things. And then, of course, we read passages like John 15 that say, uh, Jesus said, when you produce much fruit, you are my true disciples. This brings great glory to my Father. Jesus said in Matthew chapter 7, by their fruits you will know that they are my disciples. And then all of this, and we start, we start to process this, and we're like, okay, uh, I'm saved, but I got to do something. Like, there's something I need to be doing. There's, there's work that I have to do. And we become confused, I think. We start to think that sanctification is by our works. Now, when I was younger, when I first got into the faith and started getting serious about my faith, I'll just be honest with you. I didn't know there was even a, a thing called sanctification. I just knew this idea of being saved. I knew justified, right? But see, where I was reading and all of this stuff kind of pointed me to this belief that they were tied together. And so I was trying to live the life. I was trying to do it on my own, in my own power. And I struggled with it. And about the thousandth time I tripped over the same sin, I just threw my hands up and said, forget this, I can't do it. And I lived for many years thinking that justification and sanctification were the same thing. And if I, if I messed up, if I said the wrong word, if I lied, if I, if I did something wrong, then I lost my justification too. Like I, I went from being saved to not saved. And I lived in fear of my salvation being taken away from me. Because I didn't understand that these things are different. They're distinctly different. I thought justification and sanctification were the same thing. And I think many of you could probably testify to the same thing. And you did it to where you finally just said, I can't do it. I'm not good enough to be a Christian. This is impossible. And you walked away from the faith. Now, if you, if you miss everything else this morning, I want you to get this. Sanctification is not by works. It's not by works. See, sanctification is objective characteristics or qualities that God imparts upon those who belong to Jesus. He gives them to you. It's not subjective characteristics or quality that we obtain through moral living. And that's what I think many Christians believe. If I just live a certain way, then I'm going to gain God's favor. That's what's going to happen. And we think that sanctification is by works. We think it's all upon us. It's obtainment, not attainment. God gives it to you. You can't earn it. 
And the way I want to explain this today, we're just going to have some fun with this, is, is by using some amazing transformations. I don't know about you, but I can get lost in social media for hours. You've seen these, right? Amazing transformations. You just swipe left. You go from the before to the after picture. And it's awesome, man. I mean, it just blows your mind. Uh, you look at somebody's basement before, and then you swipe left, and you get, wow, brand new basement. You're like, that's awesome. I want to do that in my house, right? And then, of course, we can do it with our own bodies. It's incredible what some of these people have done. I mean, they've, they've you swipe left, and they're a new person, completely changed. Uh, this one's amazing, actually. Uh, ladies, this guy's single, um, right? Here's his transformation. He's actually, he goes to this church, and he's single, by the way. No, not really. I'm just teasing you. You guys all of a sudden got serious when you saw that picture. But anyway, it's amazing. You swipe left and everything changes. It's all brand new. And, and you can do it with houses, like an old house that's about to fall down. Somebody buys it. Swipe left and, and they've completely remodeled. It's become something brand new. It went from something you didn't want to something that you wanted. Uh, even interiors, like kitchens that are outdated, swipe left and boom, you get a brand new kitchen. Now, the reason I bring this up is because I want to describe it this way. Um, when we talk about justification, when we talk about what we talked about last week, Jesus is our Savior. And, and we, we come to the, the end of ourselves. I'm done trying to be, you know, this perfect person, somebody that does everything right. I just can't do it on my own. And, and I can't save myself. You come to this realization of who Jesus is, the fact that he came because he loved you so much and he died on the cross. And you just go, God, I'm sorry I can't save myself. I acknowledge that you're the son of God, that you died for me. I want to receive forgiveness of my sins and God, I make you the savior of my life. I want to live my life for you. When you do something like that, you know what happens? In justification, you swipe left, right? Bam, that's what happens. Because in that moment, you went from, from being outside of God's family to right in the middle. Like you're made right with God. You go from, from God's looking at you and condemned to spend eternity in hell because of your sin to somebody who when God looks at you, he no longer sees your sin, but he sees the sacrifice that Jesus made on the cross and you are made perfect in that moment. That's justification. You are saved. Jesus becomes your savior. But here's what it's like in sanctification. You ready for this? When it comes to sanctification, God, I've reached the end of myself. I, I need you. I need forgiveness. Would you please forgive me? And bam, justification. You are justified with God. When it comes to sanctification, here's what happens. There you go. Now, I know I'm being extreme with this, okay? Because some things do change. Like you are now saved. You receive the, the gift of the Holy Spirit that lives in you. You have a new passion, new direction for life, all right? So I'm being extreme. But, but honestly, you are still on a sinful world, in a sinful body, with a sinful mind, still struggling with your own sins. You have not been perfected yet. This is the change. See, positionally, you go from being wretched to being redeemed in God's eyes. Immediately, you are made right with God. But practically, you go from this to this. You start, you're now at the starting line for sanctification and you begin the sanctification process. Practically, you still have to work out your salvation over the course of a lifetime. And let's be honest, to go from this to that, even though it's a swipe left for us, how much work went into that? Yeah, that, that, was, that was years of work, right? 
It's incredible the amount of work that has to go into that. But yet, we just swipe left and we think that's it. Honestly, for us to do that in life when it comes to our sanctification, it's going to take years of work. It takes a lot of process. Sanctification is not a swipe left thing. It's not. Justification is. You're made right with God, but then we start the sanctification process. They are two distinctly different things. But here's what's great. Because of our justification, because we are made right with God, because of the sacrifice that he made at the cross, justification should lead us to sanctification. Why? Because we we develop a heart of gratitude. God, I couldn't make myself right. I I couldn't do this on my own, and yet you loved me so much that you came and you did it. God, I want to live for you. I want to dedicate the rest of my lives to you. See, justification should lead to sanctification. Justification is a declaration that God makes that says that somebody is now determined righteous in his sight. Sanctification is God's transformational process of a believer's whole being through the work of the Holy Spirit. And I mean whole being. I mean like mind and heart and and, and how you work and, and how you speak and how you view the world around you and interact in your relationships. Everything has to be sanctified. That's a long, that's a big transformation, and it takes a long time to do that. But here's what's great about this, is that you are justified. Remember how we're saved? We're justified by grace through faith, right? The great news about this is that, you know how you're sanctified? This might blow your mind. You're actually sanctified by grace through faith. Same thing. It's the work of the Holy Spirit that sanctifies us, not works. It's not about works. We, we say it this way all the time around here. We've been saying it like this since 2005, becoming more like Christ every day. That's our goal. We become more like Christ every day. But it's not us working, doing stuff that makes us more like Christ every day. It's the work of the Holy Spirit working in and through us. Why is that? Because if we were saved by works then there would be a limit to what God could ask of us. Do you know that? It'd be like a tax on good deeds. And there's only so many good deeds that we could do, and it's only so much that he could ask of us. But that's not how we're sanctified. See, we're actually sanctified by grace through faith, which means there is no limit on what God can ask of us. Why? Because what have we been given? Everything. Forgiveness, life, mercy, grace, love. He's given us everything. Uh, If you had a friend that came up and gave you a gift, would it be appropriate for you just to turn around and walk away with it? No. What's the appropriate response? See, it's the same thing with Jesus. You've been saved. You've been redeemed. He is your Savior, and He wants to be your sanctifier. And so when somebody is, is giving you a gift, it's fitting for you to respond in an appropriate way. What's our appropriate response to Jesus as our Savior, to Jesus as our sanctifier? Obedience. Obedience. To commit our lives to Him, to follow Him with everything that we have. Now, I'm telling you that the Holy Spirit is the one that sanctifies us. But yet, you just read all the passages that talk about fruit and uh, living a certain way, right? So you know those are in Scripture. So what does that mean? Well, let me ask it in a certain way in hopes that we would really grasp this, okay? And not be misled anymore. Because Satan has a way of twisting this around and beating us up and making us want to give up on our walk and our journey with Christ. Don't let him do this anymore, all right? So here's the question I want to ask you. How can we help the Holy Spirit in the sanctification work that he's doing in our lives? 
Is there a way that you can partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that he's already doing and sanctifying you? The answer to that is absolutely yes, right? When I was a young kid, my parents would take me to Sunday school. The teacher would ask questions, and every time she'd ask a question, we'd all shoot our hands up real quick because we'd want to answer. And we all answered the same way to every question. It didn't matter what she asked. We'd all go, pray, read your Bible, go to church. Pray, read your Bible, go to church. Why? Because eventually that was going to get you a gold star, right? And so we learned, pray, read your Bible, go to church. And as goofy as that sounds, uh, to answer the question, is there a way to partner with the Holy Spirit in the sanctification work that he's doing in your life, I would say, pray, read your Bible, go to church. Now, I know that's very simplistic, so let me unpack that just for a little bit because I think it's so critical. Um, God is doing some amazing work in our lives through his Holy Spirit. When it comes to sanctification... Uh, Christian character is described, here's some homework if you want it. Uh, Christian character is described as the fruit of the Spirit. This is what flows out of our life as the Holy Spirit does his work. That's found in Galatians chapter 5, uh, 22 to 23. Uh, Peter also tells us that the sanctification of the Spirit um, helps us in obedience to Jesus Christ. So the sanctifying work that God does within our lives, as we grow in that, we become even more obedient to the will of God. That's 1 Peter 1, 2. Uh, Peter also, or Paul says, if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. See, the, the sanctification process helps us overcome all these fleshly desires, the things that lead us down the wrong path. Lying, critical spirit. Um, shooting our mouths off at people, stealing, all these other things that we talk about so often that we just, we hold up as these horrible sins. Guess what? Sanctification helps us overcome those things. Paul also said, and we all with unveiled faces beholding the glory of the Lord are being transformed into the same image from one degree of glory to another. For this comes from the Lord who is the Spirit. 2 Corinthians chapter 3, if you want to read that. It's the Holy Spirit that is transforming us from the inside out. It doesn't happen immediately. It's a process. But we can partner with him in doing that by praying. Praying for the work of the Holy Spirit. Praying that God allows His Holy Spirit to have free reign in our lives. Uh, Pray, read your Bible, right? Read your Bible. The Word of God. Jesus actually told us, He said, Sanctify them in the truth, for your Word is the truth. He's saying, you know how I sanctify you? Get into the Word. Discover what what is true. Uh, John 17. Uh, John 15, He said, Already you are clean because of the Word I've spoken to you. Sanctification process through the Word of God. Pray, read your Bible, go to church, right? Uh, when I say go to church, what I'm talking about is just the fellowship of the believers, of being in fellowship with other people going in the same direction. Paul says, So flee youthful passions and pursue righteousness, love, uh, faith, and peace, along with those who call the Lord from a pure heart. Other, other Christians, walk with them, get to know them, dive into each other's lives. That's 2 Timothy 2. Uh, Hebrews actually says, Let us consider how we might stir up one another to love and good works. So by being in community with other believers, what are we doing? We're we're being sanctified. We're being pushed. Haven't you ever noticed when you gather with other men and women who are further along in their walk with Christ and you go, man, they're such a great example and it stirs something within you. You're like, man, I want to be like that. I want to be better like that. But it's not out of, I want to be better out out of, I want everyone to look at me. It's because of what Jesus has done for me. I want to serve him on a, on a deeper level. I want to be a better example of who Christ is. Now, another way that you can 
partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that he's doing in your life to sanctify you. Uh, we talked about this a few weeks ago. Uh, Pastor Mike did a whole presentation on it. We don't have time to get into all of it, but it's called Sacred, uh, Sacred Pathways. If you want to go deeper into this, we actually have these sitting on all the chairs around. If you just reach over and grab one of those, you can see on the back it gives you a definition. But here's the bottom line. You ready? Uh, all of us, we love God and receive love from God in different ways because we're all made differently. We process things differently. We have different personalities, different passions. And what we have learned is that there are certain pathways where we actually connect with God on a deeper level. Let me give you just a couple of examples. Um, naturalists, that's what I am. Hunting season, I get up in the mountains, I sit on a ridge, sun starts coming up. I feel God and sense God more in that moment than I do any other time. I'm in awe of, of his glory in creation and what he's done. I, I just, I sit in awe of him. I have deeper moments with God in a moment like that than I do anywhere else. Uh, that's a naturalist. Uh, maybe some of you are caregivers. Uh, you do it by serving people, by, by, by um, just being available and caring for people who are hurting. Maybe that's you, and, and you sense God's presence. You love God more in those moments. Uh, maybe, uh, I don't know, an activist. Uh, activists are those people, they, they need a, like a social or some type of justice cause they're working toward, right? These are the people that when they get in the mission field, watch out, man. Because they are with God and they, are, they just sense his presence and they're moving. Or they're, they're showing love to God more when they are trying to raise funds to help provide clean drinking water for somebody all the way on the other side of the globe. And, and so all of these are different sacred pathways. So take that home, maybe look into it, and you might be surprised. You might identify with one of them and go, that's me. Do some more research and you might find another way that you can partner with the Holy Spirit in the work that he is doing in your life to sanctify you, to be to make you more and more like Christ. That's all this is. It's just another tool that you can use to become more like Christ. Um, let me just wrap up with this. Uh, I want you to know that justification is immediate. Sanctification is gradual. Uh, sanctification, while it is certain, says that uh, God's going to carry it through, that he's going to take us to completion. He's going he's to take care of this. So it's certain, but it's not sudden. I wish it was. Uh, for many of us, we, we have received Christ and we're continuing in life and we're frustrated with ourselves because we keep tripping over sin and, or we're prone to certain temptations and, and we know those things and, and we struggle with that because somehow we feel like that's, that's separating us from God. And you need to keep in mind your justification, you are still perfect with God. You're being sanctified. All you got to do is get back up and keep pursuing Christ. That's what you need to do. Uh, we're all prone to certain sins, and, and we're prone to fall into some of those same sins. Now, the truth is, God can supernaturally remove that from our lives. He can. He can remove those temptations, but he doesn't always do that. He can, but he doesn't always do it. I know my tripwires. I know where I'm prone to sin because I've tripped over it a thousand times. And every time I do it, I get so angry with myself, so frustrated with myself. God, I should be better than this. Um, can you relate to that? Um, Paul, in 2 Corinthians chapter 12, actually talked about this. Uh, Paul said that he had a, he called it a thorn in his flesh. 
And he said he prayed three times that God would remove it. And God chose not to remove it. Now, here's what's interesting. In that text, Paul actually tells you why. He says, God has let me know that he did not remove it because he wants to keep it there to keep me humble. Why has God not taken that from you? Well, because he's in the middle of sanctifying you, shaping you and molding you to look more like his son. That's what he's doing. I love the fact that God doesn't take it away from us sometimes because that's how he gets our attention. That's how he, that's how he molds and shapes us. Um, he wants to sanctify us. Uh, remember that we are justified and sanctified by grace through faith. It is the work of Jesus. It is the work of the Holy Spirit. It is not your work. But yet we can partner with the Holy Spirit for our sanctification. As you grow in your faith, as you foster that up relationship, as you foster those in relationships, as you partner with the Holy Spirit and the work that he's doing in your life to become more like Christ every day, what's going to happen is you're going to see a distance between the times that you fall to that same sin. This is what I've learned. I'm old. This is what I've learned. There's a distance and it grows. And it's incredible because even though you'll, you'll fall to it and you beat yourself up so badly over it, when you look up and you realize how far you've come, see that widening distance tells me that the grace of God is at work in my life, that it's teaching me to say no to ungodly living, that it is training me to lead a, a self-disciplined and godly life. And it's that distance that shows me that God is actually transforming me. It's the distance that shows me that God is sanctifying me. God wants to be our sanctifier. Can I pray for that? Would you join me in that? Heavenly Father, we just come to you right now as, um, as your followers, your disciples. God, we ask that in this moment that you would meet us right where we're at. God, we've got so many people in this room that I know that struggled. They, they've struggled for maybe years in this idea that uh, every time that they would slip up that that they would fall out of good standing with you. And God, that, that causes so much stress and anxiety. And, and we find ourselves working even harder, which leads us down the wrong path because it's not about works. God, I pray for those that uh, maybe because of their upbringing, maybe because of their understanding of Scripture, that they felt um, that you were angry with them, that you're disappointed with them. God, would you uh, speak into their hearts right now and let them know that there's a big difference between justification and sanctification that they're saved, they're secure in you, but yet, God, you are molding and shaping them to become more and more like you every day. God, I pray that we would just partner with your spirit to lean into that and, and that this wouldn't become a chore of becoming more like you, but we would actually, out of a, a heart of gratitude, because we are justified in you, just to enjoy this process. And even when it's hard, even when we go through those seasons when we're not doing so well, God, I pray that we would just rest in your mercy and grace. And that this was cause us just to fall in love with you in, even more and to pursue you with even a greater passion. God, we give you all these things. We just ask that you would continue to mold and shape us into people that look more and more like you. God, we pray everything that we do and say brings glory and honor to the name of Jesus Christ and all God's people said, amen.